The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Love it. Hey everyone, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files, the owner-creator of FSW here in Las Vegas, the future stars of wrestling, Mr. Joe DeFalco. And Joe, uh, you know, Bywater makes you happy. Um... Is there anything else this week that's uh, made you uh, particularly happy since we've last talked? Uh, no. <laughs> N- nothing has made me happy. <laughs> it's uh, It's been kind of a rough week. Um, you know, uh, if uh, you follow Joe on social media, you know that his uh, mom's dog, who a year ago they took in after his mom passed, um, they had to put her to sleep, uh, unfortunately. Um, you know, when you reflect on stuff like this, Joe, what is it that sticks out to you most about kind of having to come to terms with, you know, the, the finality of things now and knowing that from this point on there are, there there are memories, but there aren't any living remnants of, you know, your mom around. Well, it's just sadder and sadder, you know, every day, you know, the older you get, the more you start to realize your own mortality, you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, I look back and I'm like, wow, my, my, my dad died. I was only five years younger than when my dad died, you know, and yeah. it doesn't seem like it's been 30 years. And then you just see it every day, people you grew up with and, you know, not not friends and things like that as much as, you know, Sports figures, things that you followed, athletes, celebrities, movie stars, singers, what you know, whatever it is, you're like, wow, I can't believe it. Oh, I can't believe it. And, you know, when you're 15, 20, 25, even 30, you know, it just shoots over your head. And then then when you get to be 57, you, you, you wonder how long you got left. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know just just crazy you know how how the the life cycle is it's it's really not pleasant no and you know that's the the other thing too is you know we talk like celebrities people who are, are publicly known but also being that you know you and myself and you know everyone we know who has close ties to the wrestlers you know you're always, whether it be an independent or someone who's been on a big scale and, you know, made it or was famous to some extent, um, you know, it's one thing to see a sports person that you admire pass away and you kind of lose that bit of your childhood. But to then see, you know, legitimate people that you know, you've worked with, who you've been friends with, that's another thing that's fascinatingly tough for me because I'm seeing that and all different realms of, uh, you know, I just had someone, a mentor 
uh, who produced hair on Broadway, Michael Butler, he passed away the other day. And, um, you know, it's, it's just crazy to see people that, you know, um, who were great people, you know, pass on. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, you don't know how much time you got, you know, and it's, you got to try to enjoy yourself. And once again, it looks like my camera was unplugged. Plug it back in. Like, I don't know what I'm, how I would plug something back in. Well, we'll keep it. We can keep it rolling. I got you on the audio. So um, unless you drop out, we can uh, continue to talk here. Uh, This week, uh, big announcements for uh, Against All Odds. Uh, Yeah. You know, we got a big show. You know, life goes on, you know, you know, being sad doesn't doesn't stop, uh, you know, what you got to do. You know, I went to the Nugget yesterday and, you know, had to pay off of the room and get everything set because I know they're doing the Lucha show on Friday, hoping that maybe we can uh, utilize part of their setup. But, of course, they got a Quinciera on Saturday. So it brings the room back to, hey, when we get there at 9 o'clock on uh, the Sunday, you know, Rocky calling me, you know, extremely pissed because the room's still a fucking mess you know what i mean and it's like unfortunately you know calls have to be made things got to be done you know they're not happy with this we're not happy with that but unfortunately if they're not happy with something we have to worry about it if they're not if we're not happy it's like yeah we'll see what we can do yeah you know what i mean it's that's also the issues of not having a lot of venue options for the bigger shows. And, you know, we're trying to change that, you know, we're trying to find some other facilities that, you know, we could make do if, if, you know, no escape will be the next big show in November and probably, I mean, uh, January, probably 29th, uh, just because of schedules of who we need to get. And obviously the champions that you want to be there, the, the storylines you're progressing. So, you know, it's good and bad in a way because, you know, even though you sit there kind of like, yeah, I got to pass time because if you sit around and think about, you know, all the morbid things that are going on in your life at the time, it's, it's like, what the fuck? You know, you just sit there and be like, oh, that's sad. Oh, that's sad. So at least, you know, I guess it's exciting to try to, you know, pass your time by coming up with other things and what we need to do and making sure we sign people and get the right people in place. You know, we've added a few new additions uh, that we're going to utilize as a surprise, you know, for for the Rumble match. You know, guys have been with us a long time. And maybe you haven't seen him in a while. And I think, you know, the crowd will be, you know, excited to see some of these returns. But, you know, we did announce uh, that Maserati finally is going to be making her return. And it's a matchup that is really a major matchup, not only in our women's division, but in the women's division in, in, in general of anywhere you know, yep. Viva Van, who has had a u- huge uh, last year and a half, and now our women's champion and has multiple belts and championships. 
and she has really become the face of the FSW women's division after we kind of had, you know, it kind of stalled and through, you know, unfortunate reasons, the, the the women's division was kind of non-existent for a little while. And now we've built it up. And part of the reason it's non-existent is the fact that Maserati, you know, she has been a mainstay with us for a very, very long time. Started as a valet, been with us for years. She's had a huge year outside of FSW yeah. and appearing in AEW and Impact and the Ring of Honor Women's Tournament. So she has really risen her stock to an all-time high. And yeah. now uh, we saw... A brief appearance after Viva Van actually won the championship, Maserati showed up and laid her out. But, you know, the two had not run into each other in a pretty long time since that happened. So it's been well over a year since Maserati has had a match in FSW. And some people are like, oh, you know, that's kind of rushing it. And it's like, how is it rushing it? She's one of... it, it's like if The Rock comes back, The Rock's going to get his match with Roman Reigns. He isn't going to wrestle Mad Cat Moss first. You, you know what I mean? And it's no offense to all the other women in the division, but Maserati has earned the right to when she comes back, she goes to the top of the food chain. Yeah. And right now we have, you know, two extremely, you know, high-profile women battling it out for that women's championship, which only brings more light to our championship. Yeah. Yeah. And Maserati too has been, uh, you know, taking care of herself. She's been healing up. Um, you know, she had a couple of nagging injuries and I think that makes her that much more dangerous, uh, to know that Viva Van's got to go against, a pretty much healthy Maserati could uh, could be one of those matches that steals that show uh, because of the fact that both women have been basically doing some of the best work in the independents, uh, let alone on the West Coast, for the past year. So I think that's a smart match, um, more so than a rushed match. I, I don't see how that would be considered rushed, um, you know, because... Everyone knows who Maserati is. That's the other thing. You don't have to set that up. We know she was the champ, and we know that she's after the gold again. So I think that's that's going to be a fabulous match. Um, a little bit about Against All Odds. Can you explain for those who might not know kind of what the concept is uh, for the show and how you came up with the idea of starting doing the Against All Odds uh, shows? Well, when we kind of put together different specialty shows, we want it to be kind of self-explanatory that if you really don't understand, it becomes easy to understand. You know, there's so much in the wrestling world that you really don't understand why things happen. Like there's been pay-per-views and I think Impact for a while, you know, they hadn't used it in years and reused it. Well, what is the odds? What What is it? What's against all odds you know the main concept of against all odds is we do a 30 person rumble now you have to win the rumble now 
there's a lot of odds of one in 30 winning the Rumble. But not only that, you immediately get a title match against the heavyweight champion that night. That's really trying to beat the odds yeah. in that situation. You know, it's kind of like survival of the fittest. Well, survival of the fittest. Well, you 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 want to include maybe an Iron Man match, a last man standing match, a two out of three fall match, something you know, based off survival, the Survivor Series, where we would do a survival-type matches and things like that. No escape. Well, it's arcade concept. No escape. You know, you can win by pinfall. You can win by escape the cage. Things like that. So we generally have brought that to two or three steel cage matches right. uh, for, for that event. And... You know, obviously the anniversary show is the anniversary show. But we 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 try to structure with that in our in my mind of how I'm gonna put the show together. You know, we've done tournaments for survival of the fittest. We've done survivor series, we like I said, you know, and against all odds, that is the main concept. Now there's gonna be other matches thrown in, but it's like the survivor series, you know, it, it's you still have other matches. When they do the Royal Rumble, it's a Rumble match. And then the champion wrestles whoever that he was going to wrestle. So all you right. do is win the Rumble, and then you go out, and in five months or three months, you're going to wrestle at WrestleMania for it. Well, I, I think there's more excitement on, you know, you're seeing who's there. So it isn't – now there isn't the process of, okay, well, we're booking – a Davy Richards, a Chris Masters, a Carlito, a Toa, a Tito, a Bateman, a Limelight, all these guys. Now it's like, hey, they're, they're smart wrestling fans. Like, well, we're going to do this match in two months. Well, people are going to look online. Oh, wait, New Japan's running a show in two months. So I guess Danny Limelight can't win the Rumble. I guess Bateman, I guess Tito, you know what I mean? Right. Like, Whoever is on the premises that day will be wrestling for the heavyweight championship that night. Right. And by seeing the success that we have had with against all odds, because people love the rumble, they like yeah. hearing that surprise name that they're going to get, you know, they like seeing somebody that they hadn't seen in a long time. It's a good way to bring somebody back who may have been injured and it's like, hey, let's keep it a secret. And all of a sudden, you know, somebody pops in that you hadn't seen or, oh, man, I wish FSW would use that guy, you know. Yeah. And like I said, you know, I am really struggling, shockingly, that to keep it only at 30. <laughs> It's like I'm going through the list, and it's like, fuck. Usually, if you look at the Rumble, there's going to be a half a dozen or more people that you know have absolutely zero fucking shot of winning. We're not stupid. We know who's not winning the Rumble, okay? But it's a way for us to... Show appreciation to the guys who've worked hard, the younger guys who don't get on very many shows. Usually with 30 guys, there's a good space 
for some of the younger talent to get on a show that hadn't in the past. You know, a Hero Lou, a Cross, guys like that. That was kind of a breakout moment for them to be in the Rumble. But you also got to look at some of the guys that had barely ever been on shows getting in there. And it's good when you're trying to build a monster in the Rumble to where it's like, okay, we're going to do this Rumble and we're going to spotlight this Kevin Cross guy, but he's not going to win. So he's going to need to throw out some guys in rapid fashion. You know what I mean? And, you know, I'm not going to bring in Toa Leona to come in and get thrown out in 10 seconds because you're just not going to do something like that. You know what I mean? Unless you're Tony Khan. (laughs) Right. You know, different situation. Right. So I've had to pull back and, you know, two guys, for example, part of the MK Army, uh, Koa and AJ Mana. Two good bodies to put in the in, in a rumble match. They're big dudes. They can go with people. Yeah. But you also have some of the tag teams. So I put together a four-way tag match. That's going to be the pre-show match, which will be Sky High, the Suavecitos, the MK Army, and I'm bringing back who I was very impressed with, the Regulators, EJ Sparks, and Thugnificent. Because in most cases, I would have had maybe not the regulators because they haven't really wrestled for us that much. But out of those six guys, the Suavecito Sky High and the MK Army, it's hard for me to believe that at worst, four of those six participants would be in the rumble. Right. Okay, so... And if it was all six, then it'd be saying I'm leaving off the Suavecitos who, you know, have, have earned a right to, to be on a, on, a, on a show like that. And usually, like, I'm pretty sure they were in the Rumble last year or they worked in a match with Quest. I can't remember because it was the anniversary thing right. where we actually did the Rumble match. So now the question becomes, hey, I freed up a few spots. And... One thing I was actually talking about doing was the winner of the pre-show tag, the two members get a spot in the Rumble. Okay. But going through the list of names, I st- I- I'm, ha- I'm still having a hard time getting to 30. There's a couple of the younger guys from Future Shock. We ended up canceling the show. So much was going on that we were going to give a spot to – a mini rumble at future shock that would feature all the younger talent. And the winner of that would get the spot in a rumble. So, you know, you had the Oliver Canada's and you had the Demir morning star and the Jimmy Jacks and, you know, a who's who of the younger guys that this would have been their opportunity. And at this point that, that is not possible to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, looking at the list of guys, you know, just offhand, you know, you got four guys from the faction. That's four spots. You know, there's Masters, there's Carlito, there's Toa, uh, the tag team champions, Hero and Shogun are going to be in the Rumble. Remy Marcel, Cutthroat Cody, Damian Drake, 
It's like Chase Bell, Jordan Oasis, and, you know, the three or four surprises. And now all of a sudden you're running out of, of spots, you yeah. know, like, oh, okay. Jimmy Jack, he's earned a spot in there. He's going to be there. Or Ricky Tenacious, who's been with us a while, who's deserving of a spot. And, you know, if I go through the list, I was at like 26. And then I'm like, talked to someone yesterday about making a return. And then I talked to someone last week. So I wasn't counting them. So now that's at 28. And then I just added Santana Jackson to the Rumble. So Ooh. now we're at 29. And now if a couple of people that were supposed to do it, they have some issues they might not be able to, they do it. There's a couple of young guys that are penciled in at 29 and 30 for spots that may have to be bumped. You know, one of them at the school yesterday, oh, any chance I could be in the Rumble? And I'm like, yeah, I just got to see where we're at. I actually wrote the list and he was on it. But now it's like, if everybody comes through, he's not going to be on it. Right. So thank goodness. I guess I could, for the first time I say, thank goodness. New Japan is running that day. Cause there's because 10 more guys. <laughs> Tito would have been in it. Yeah. Uh, che Cabrera. We were looking at bringing back for it. Danny Limelight for sure would have been in it. A Bateman probably would have been in it. Gregory yeah. Sharp would have been on the show. Jacob Austin Young would have been on the show. Now, all of a sudden, where, where would the spots be? Well, yeah, it's easy to say, well, you could put Gregory Sharp in to just defend the Nevada State Championship. Well, we have a Rumble match that goes literally about 45 minutes. 30 people. So it's got to go at least 35 to 40. Okay. Then we got the winner wrestles the heavyweight champion. Hammerstone in the main event. So that's two matches. Now we got the women's match. That's three matches. We got Matt Vandegriff. He is going to be defending the No Limits title. That's four matches. I guess we can announce it today. We reinstated Nick Zander. And we have finally reached agreement with Nick Bugatti to return to FSW. And why would we put those two guys in the rumble with everything that's happened between that two? So we can announce today that Nick Bugatti will return to an FSW ring legally and he will take on the returning Nick Xander. So that's five matches. And generally what we like to do is a high-profile match to where the last two participants eliminated wrestle each other. So now we get another really good match. You know, who's going to be in the final three? We got the faction guys. We got Hero and Shogun. We got Toa. We have Carlito. We got Masters. We got Remy. We got Cody. We got Damian Drake. There's so many good opportunities for that match. So that's six yeah. matches. I definitely don't want to go to seven if I don't have to, because we already got the pre-show match. Right. You know, I believe six matches is enough because the rumble 
is at least the equivalent of two matches. Yeah. So yeah. if you do that, you're at seven. And it might be the equivalent of three matches at 45 minutes. So and, I know and, last year's anniversary show that included the Rumble probably right. went almost four hours. Right. And that was probably seven matches, including the Rumble. So trying to air, you know, on, on caution to try to not overdo it. You know, the one good thing is we're doing the show uh, in November where it's 60 degrees out instead of when it's 90 degrees out and the air conditioning's broken and now it's 130 degrees in there. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, that's the positive that we're looking at. But this is by far, you know, the most star-studded rumble I could really think of. Yeah. Um, and for you, when you when you think about the structure of a uh, a battle royal in general, for you, is it is it important that you have guys who are going to be able to give you, say, ten to twenty minutes of you know being able to um, kind of be that Rick Martel or you know. That, that person who there's just that offset that they could possibly win the match, but in all re reality, they're giving you a really entertaining 20 minutes, even though they're not going to, in the end, win the match. How important is that for you when you put together um, battle royals that you could have those guys who could go the distance uh, you know, in a longer event like this? Well, you know, it, the structure is the most important thing. You know, you want somebody in the one or two spot, three, four, whatever, you know, early on to kind of be a good face that you want to see win, but they have to overcome things. You know, the best right. part of the rumble is, hey, this guy lasted this amount, this guy. Right. And we've done that a few times where the guys in the one or two spot got really, really far. And in a lot of occasions, it was a baby face who the crowd wanted to get behind. And, you know, they won. Chris Bay won a couple times. And, you know, that was a big deal. You know, yeah. Shogun won and never got the opportunity. So right. I'm pretty sure a Hammerstone may have won. Yeah, you know, and... There's so much going on and there's so many moving parts. You know, it was, it's funny because we were talking about the match and it's like, oh, you know, he could win it and he could win it and he can win it. Now, how difficult is it when you say 10 guys can win it? Well, when you get to a final five, you can't have 10 guys in it. So what makes that guy get thrown out? And, and you're also trying to build feuds. Or right. continue feuds. The, the the one thing that I love the most about Against All Odds is if we don't do a show two weeks before, we're not really missing out on building that storyline because we're building the storyline within the storyline of an actual match at that show. 
Yeah. You know, in the past, it's led to numerous feuds. You know, who threw out who? Ah, uh, he comes back in. You know, I can't see, uh, you know, Hero and Shogun, TBD, not be involved at all with the faction. Or Bodie, who's going to be in the match. You know, he just came off a lumberjack match where he beat Braxton. You know, is Braxton going to want to go after Bodie, who's going to be a huge crowd favorite? Uh, Is Braxton going to go after guys that attacked him uh, in the lumberjack match? Sky High gets off, I guess, since they're not in that match, but they were a couple of the guys that were very influential in helping to defeat Braxton. And then you got guys who are looking to make a name for themselves. Uh, Blair Brody, for example, who is a rising star in this business. Brett the Threat, who's kind of been... Uh, you know, laying low after a couple of big wins, you know, beat Cal Jack, he beat Sin Bodie, and yeah. he's kind of he's kind of lulled a little since then. We saw him at the Mecca in the pre-show, and he wasn't part of the uh, decision. Right. So he's a guy who, very early in his career, mouthed it off enough to uh cause the ire of Hammerstone to beat the fuck out of him. And I'm pretty sure with the experience Brett the Threat has learned over a year plus that his confidence level is always high, but if he feels he can get that match, I'm pretty sure he's confident enough to he where he believes he can actually win the match. Right. So, you know, What about a name from the past who now resurrects his FSW career based off one performance? And all of a sudden, he's got Hammerstone in the main event. So So, so we're talking Alcatraz? Is Alcatraz coming back? Are we getting him back? Believe me, I did did reach out, you know, (laughs) but uh, I would prefer to, to drink his coffee. And uh, and watch Notre Dame lose most of their games. So. <laughs> um, you know, let me ask you in uh, in the the Royal Rumble. One of the things that I absolutely hate. Now I understand there there's a reason for it in the the building of and the storytelling of the characters, but I hate when you get a ring full of guys. So let's say. You know, eight guys work it to eight guys, maybe ten guys, and then the big monster comes in, and now you're left with no one else in the ring. They just basically toss out, you know, all those people. How? What's your feelings on that maneuver that the WWE has used in the past for guys like Kane in that setting of, you know, is it worthwhile to build up twenty minutes of a match only to have one person come? and just basically throw the whole thing out, and now we're starting, and you know only now 15 people or 10 people could possibly win this because you just eliminated half of your battle royal. Well, going into the WWE Royal Rumble, uh, you immediately can look at the 30 participants, and you can eliminate 22 of them, or 20 of them. You know, that you, you know... 
who the the ten guys and ten is probably stretching it. You know, you know five guys who have a have a shot. Now, right. I don't have an issue with that if you if you got a bunch of guys that are in there, but it's like nobody's walking in and throwing out Toa TBD uh, Masters just because they walked in. Right. They, there's too many monsters to for that to happen to. As I, as, you know, maybe in years past we can throw out three, four, five, but our rumble is so loaded that from one to thirty, it's going to be hard for that to occur. Yeah, because somebody's got to be one and three and six and. Sure, whoever, you know, in the past we would do a match. Hey, feast or famine. So it was exciting. You knew who would be one and you knew who would be 30. Well, we, right. didn't, we didn't get that opportunity uh, to do that because it was a Halloween show that led into it. And we didn't have room for another show. And then the show before, which we could have did it, well, that was the Mecca. Right. So that wasn't going to make it possible. So there was no high octane FSW arena show to where, Hey, we could have a feast or famine. I remember the past, uh, we did call Fredericks versus graves and you know, that made that match that more exciting. Yeah. Because Holy shit, the losers got to start at one and, and the winner gets to start at 30. And you know, if I if I remember correctly, Carl Frederick started at one, and he had a good run. But you know, it's hard to overcome fresh, good talent that's coming in. Right, and you know, you try your best. You know, it's going to be interesting because I have no idea who <laughs> one through thirty is going to be. I can't. I I have no clue. You know, might as well just pull from a hat. I mean, well, we have to let the we have to let the the balls pull out the names. You know, it would be ballsy to actually put together a rumble, literally doing that. Like, hey, you know what, guys? I trust you guys. <laughs> Here's the finish. Like, make it happen. Wouldn't that be? You know, would that ever be practical? Of doing a blind draw uh, rumble like that. I mean. <laughs> well, I guess, sure. Number one, Toa Leona. Number two, Carlito. Number three, Masters. Number four, Hero. Number five, Shogun. It would be like, okay, number 27, Jeffrey Excellence. Number 28, Ricky Tenacious. Number 29, Brandon G. And number 30 is Bodie. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Before Carlito walks out, he's like, hey, bro, I'm going to need more money if I'm starting at number two. And I, and I have to go to, to, to last the year's final four. I'm in the final five? Yeah, that's yeah. another 200. <laughs> oh, man. It's just, you know, it's, it is funny to, to think that this – one of the things I love about that style of Battle Royal is the fact that it does – blur the lines i think better than a lot of things in wrestling between you you have that 
thing in your head. You're like, okay, I know that this isn't live picking, but at the same time, you're so excited to see who that next person is. It feels like it is random. And I think that that's the type of thing that gets the crowd excited. Is that something you look to do is just keep that, uh, that fresh feeling of, you know, knowing that, Hey, if a certain piece comes in here, the crowd will probably, you know, react how we want them to because of putting that puzzle piece in this particular spot. Is that kind of how you look at it in terms of, you know, having that fan interaction um, stable throughout the match? Because like you said, it yeah, typically about a 45 minute match. That's a long time to keep the audience involved. How hard is that? Well, to find those, those puzzle it, it isn't. It isn't because every minute they're counting down that last 10 seconds waiting. Whether Brett the Threat comes out at 1, 10, or 20, he's going to get fucking booed out of the building. They don't like him. So they're, they're, they would probably prefer he comes in at number two or three because they'll think he's got no shot. You know, right. Remy Marcel comes out, he's going to get cheered. Right. Uh, I think when Toa comes out, here's a guy who – he was an FSW guy until he's now, and now he's been on TV a lot lately. Like it was easy to forget who he was, but now they're utilizing him. So right. does he get the hero's welcome back to, you know, to see? So whenever he comes out, now the key are the surprises. You know, we've had some surprises from major people that were major parts of FSW gone for a few years and they came back and it was kind of like, cricket cricket and you're like oh shit they really don't fucking remember this motherfucker like he did so much for us but nobody cared because right. the, the turnover of fans is so much right. so you have to be careful when you know we did that at the anniversary show uh, the 10 year anniversary show you know we brought guys back who hadn't been in the company for 7 8 years and people right. are like who's this motherfucker you know, they got no clue because, you know, we worked a couple of Silver Nuggets shows back in the day. Right. So, you know, the guys we're bringing back, they haven't been around, but it, they, it isn't. I'll be the first to tell you they've been here less than five years ago, you know. So it's like, you know, they've been here over the last couple of years. So right. it's going to be somebody people remember. Now, if they don't give a shit about you, then. And that's on you. They don't give a shit about you. Yeah. Right. But it isn't like, hey, remember this guy, Jared 420, who wrestled, you know, seven years ago on a Samstown show. Right. Yeah. Um, when, you, when you're reaching out to people like that who maybe haven't been around for whatever reasons for the last few years, um. What is typically the reaction from the guys in terms of, uh, you know, all of a sudden they get a, an email from, from Joe saying, hey, uh, would you be available and interested to do this? Is it typically a good reaction? Well, first off, they never get an email. They usually get a Facebook message. Right. But uh, no, because it's people we have been in contact with. You know, there there's people, they're still involved with FSW. To where, you know, they're sometimes around, you know, just because you don't see somebody 
doesn't mean they're not around. You, you, right. you, you know what I'm saying? To where, you know, they might be helping out in production or they come check out some shows or right now they're on a hiatus because they're, you know, working on a new journey in life that's taking up more of their time. And like the conversation I had yesterday with someone, you know, the, he was busy. He was doing some stuff and he feels, you know, that he wouldn't he didn't have the time. It wasn't he didn't want to do it. But what he was pursuing didn't give him the time to really dedicate himself to training and being ready for matches. And right. he feels now he is. And, you know, he he was he was literally talking to me about, hey, you know, in the next month or two. You know, any chance, you know, maybe I can get back on some shows. And I'm like, well, how about you're a fucking surprise for the Rumble? He's like, oh, you think you do that? I'm like, I can do whatever the fuck I want. What do you mean do I think I can do that? Of course. <laughs> it's like, you know, unfortunately, I said I'm going to have to bump a younger kid that, you know, I, I kind of wanted to maybe give an opportunity to. But you done a lot for FSW and you've done more so than that person. Right. And for that person, it would have been a gift to be on that show. Right. That makes sense. Um, when you think about, uh, when you think about who ends up winning, when you think about the matchup for Hammerstone, um, in this type of scenario where you have such a big pool to choose from and having such a good relationship with Hammerstone, is there any influence that he puts in, in terms of, you know, these are some of the guys that he's maybe not faced or, you know, would like to face um, to kind of, you know, keep the, the champ happy too. Like he's getting, something that's a new challenge or, or something that's, you know, not just the complacent, uh, you know, okay, it's so-and-so again. You know, how do you keep a guy like Hammerstone uh, happy with, you know, what that encounter ends up being at the end of the night? Well, you know, I have always shown nothing but high praises for Hammerstone, his business ethic, him as a person, and I've always said, you know, he's the best champ we ever had. And so easygoing. Still, as he's made it, he's still that same guy. And, yeah. you know, when he sees me post something on Facebook that pisses me off or he's in backstage in the locker room, which I didn't even know, like in one of the last shows, because I was pretty pissed off about, you know, some of the some of the people not being around to help and, you know, things like that. And he's the guy who steps up. So he never asks. I volunteer the information. I'm right. like, hey, we're doing the rumble, you know, blah, 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 blah. We're looking at this guy and possibly that guy. And, and then, you know, his response would be, oh, yeah, you know, he would be cool. I never worked him. Yeah. He would be cool. You know, he's never once said, fuck that prick, Brett, the threat. I don't want to wrestle that motherfucker. He's a douchebag. Right. You know? Yeah. And, no, that's, you know, that's... It, it's half joking, but it but it's true. 
whoever right. I tell him he's going to work with, he is going to give a thousand percent to make that guy look good and give that guy an opportunity to bust his ass because right. he knows it's kind of like, Hey, you know, Hey, we're the Super Bowl champs. When you go to play him and you're the shittiest team in football, you're still going to try to rise to the occasion. That that's a special moment for you. Right. You know, in the wrestling business, especially for guys who've been doing it 10, 15 years and they're going on the road on Friday and they go on Saturday and sometimes on Sunday. And in a lot of situations, they're going to be put in matches with people that aren't going to really drive them in any way. It's just another match. It's another little payday. And it's just going through the cycle. Well, there is no cycle when you're going through Hammerstone. It's like, oh, fuck. Like, I got to bring my A game. And it's also, if this is something you want to do in your career, it's pretty easy to show to the offices of AEW and MLW and Impact, hey, this is this really, really good match I had with Hammerstone. If you had a great match with Hammerstone or Chris Bay for Impact and our main guys that have name recognition, it it helps you in your career. Right. And I think Hammerstone knows when he was rising, rising the ranks that it was important for him when he wrestled a Brian Cage who gave it his all to put on the best match he could he can do. Because right. look at Cross and look at Cage and look at Bay and look at Hammerstone. Like all those guys are very, very friendly with each other, but they all started at significantly different times. Yeah. When John Morrison and Brian Cage were in a main event with Chris Bay at FSW, they weren't like, hey, Brian, we're going to do this, this, and this, John would say. And they would kind of like keep Chris Bay to the side and not really worry about him. No, right. instead, they brought the match to Chris Bay and as professionals were like, hey, what can we do to make the hometown guy look like a big fucking star, which was what they did? Yeah. And I always say to this day that that was the day Chris Bay was born. That match put him on the map to other people around. We knew how good he was and people knew he was good. But now there was other people who got to see this guy doing incredible things. It's, 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 it's a lot different for Chris Bay to do incredible things against Ice Williams. But the majority of the world doesn't really know who Ice Williams is. So if right. he's doing it to Brian Cage and he's doing it to Kevin Cross and he's doing it to Hammerstone, you know, that was the main thing for Cross. And that was to really put over the hometown guy, the next guy in FSW, born in, I wouldn't say born and bred. He was born and bred in FSW as our guy. He came from Virginia, but he was our guy. And right. Kevin wanted to give back for all the people that gave to him. Right. And yeah. make Chris Bay break out. I got to win against Cross. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, Hammerstone will wrestle anybody I put forth in front of him. He knows I am generally going out of my way 
to make sure he's getting good matches. And he loved working with, you know, Davey and was hoping he was going to do it again. And, you know, TJP and Brian Cage and Callahan and Moose and all these dudes that Hammerstone has gotten along his path in FSW. And he'll be the first to tell you that all these great matches made him better. So, you know, why would I want to put a main event at against all odds and give Hammerstone some guy that nobody would even think would have a, have a shot against him. Right. You know, we want to make sure it's somebody that we want to put in a position that, Oh yeah. You know, and like I said, in this one, I can list 10 guys easy. Yeah. For well, let, me, let me ask you along those lines, as we kind of get close to starting to wrap up here, um, Hammerstone being pretty much a, you know, a face, uh, does it, when you think about, you know, all those opportunities, uh, the potential of about 10 people, let's say, to have a good match with Hammerstone, does it ever concern you of doing baby versus baby in terms of Hammerstone is the champ. What if this guy out babies <laughs> your top face? Like, how does that work for you in terms of a, a heel or, or a face matchup with your face champion? Well, I think in 1998, it would be very important, but I don't think it is in 2022. It's like, okay, we did a tag match at Mecca. Chris Masters and Carlito against TBD. TBD are super baby faces. But Carlito and Masters weren't going to get booed out of the building. And they got booed because they did underhanded tactics. Right. And, you know, that kind of set the tone. But I'm going to give you a perfect example. Toa Leona came in, part of the MK Army. Okay. Won the tag titles with MK and Juicy. Uh, Lost the tag titles. Turned on MK. And the crowd was kind of liking them anyway, and probably liked them more when MK had other obligations. So if Toa wrestled Hammerstone, like we were going to have four months ago, technically, as they talk about the roster sheet on WWE, you know, hey, this guy is now, would Toa Leona be classified as a babyface? Right. Because he turned and laid out MK? Or would he be a heel because everybody he's wrestled has been pretty much baby faces and he's had MK for all his matches. Now let's throw into the fact that he's a guy who's on TV all the time. Did we care that Brian Cage and Hammerstone, did somebody play a heel in that match? If if Brian did, I I wouldn't have noticed it. Brian Cage is Brian Cage. He went in there and sometimes it's, how about, I'm going to root for the match. How about the best man wins? Hey, I happen to, you know, I always rooted for the heel. So when Macho Man was wrestling Hulk Hogan, I wanted fucking Macho Man to kill the motherfucker because I hated (laughs) Hulk Hogan, you know. But when Ultimate Warrior beat Hulk Hogan, I loved it because somebody beat Hulk Hogan. And, And that's all I cared about. So you... If you wrestled the guy I hated the most, you were my favorite wrestler. 
And it's the same thing in FSW. Uh, you know, we've seen it with a guy like the Suavecitos or Brett the Threat to where maybe it's a newer guy, uh, a Blair Brody, who people are noticing he's good. You know, he got to wrestle Brett the Threat. And I would, I would be led to believe that Blair Brody got a lot more love because he was wrestling Brett the Threat because now they, they they were taking notice. Here's a guy who's really good that we'd love to see him beat Brett the Threat. So right. now more fans who one way or the other were like, oh, yeah, he's pretty good, not paying that much attention. It wasn't like, hey, I really like this guy. or And it's like, man, I hate Brett the Threat, man. And then now all of a sudden the other guy's shining and looking good. Well, we're the, the hope is – that the next time you see Blair Brody, you're going to get behind him because you like what he did against somebody you know who's been in a good position. Right. So that's all you can ask for. You know, one thing I've learned about the FSW fans are you could be wrestling, Matt. You could be wrestling Brett the Threat, and people will give a shit because it's like the first match they're excited. We've right. learned that those guys, sometimes we overestimate somebody's uh, babyface reaction because, hey, it's a pre-show match, and they got to see the match, so now they're behind six guys who don't really wrestle very often on the show. They're the younger kids, but they're popping for everything because you know they haven't seen an FSW show in three weeks, and they're excited they're getting to see wrestling. Right. And sometimes we've also seen it to where it's worn off that, you know, two-thirds of the way during the show, it's like, oh, yeah, but the crowd sucked. It was like, well, maybe they sucked during your match. <laughs> right. And then we talk about how sometimes that the perfect show is, you know, at the end of the night, people are still excited by the main event, and nobody's gone anywhere. So, right. you know, the, everything is just one giant build, even though it might only be the story – but the story is, you know, 10% of the whole thing. Yeah. You know, in reality, Hammerstone, as long as he's in an FSW, the day he leaves FSW is the day the, the story is done. Right. You know, like with Cross, we thought the story was done. But then he came back. And then he rewrote the ending of the story. Because it's the wrestling world and, and those things happen. People right. that leave or people that you think may never come back will come back. Uh, you know, that's a, a good uh, a little good transition to uh, people leaving and uh, where they are now. And that is uh, Zoe Stark uh, last night uh, turned on uh, her partner Nikita Lyons. What do you think a uh, a Lacey as a heel is going to be like on NXT? Well, it's definitely going to be interesting because Lacey really hasn't had a lot of opportunities to speak. And yeah. in FSW, you know, being 100% honest, you know, she didn't she wasn't Danny Limelight on the microphone, let's just say. Sure. You know, she was passable. She was, you know, but she didn't have a real meat and potatoes, you know, opportunity, I guess you can say. But 
you know, now what are you going to do? They're in a tag team. They lost for the second time. If you're not going to put the belts on them, something had to be shaken up there. Right. You know, not that they've been lifelong partners because they just got together a couple months ago. So, right. <laughs> you know, it, it, it isn't as if uh, the uh, Jim and G- Jimmy and Jay Uso break up. Right. You know what I mean? I think there's going to be a lot more to that if the brothers <laughs> broke up. And, you know, and a lot of times it doesn't work out that well. Just go look at the Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy feud. Uh, That was pretty abysmal back in the day. So with this, they're they're two singles wrestlers that they could have gone totally different and had them feud over the last couple months. Instead, they put them together. And now they're going to hope that the time they were together leads to a good feud between them. Me, right. I, I disagree. It's like I don't think they were enough. They, they they weren't together long enough for people to be invested. You know, I don't want to say they right. don't care about it, but people, fans want to be invested in a story. And you know, what's the story? Ah, oh, you couldn't get the job done, so I beat you up. Okay, now what does it lead to? You know, does it lead to Lacey? destroying people and going on to a major streak and now becoming the NXT women's champion as a heel. Cause she had the opportunity as a face anyway, and she didn't win. Right. And then they gave her the tag belts. And again, with someone who she didn't probably know six months earlier. So, yeah. you know, it's a tough situation, but you know, you're supposed to be able to do whatever's needed and it's good for her because she hasn't been a heel, yeah. You know, for the entire time in FSW and in the entire time in NXT. So let's see how she can do. You know, there was people. You know, Hammerstone when when Hammerstone won the championship and cut his promo, and Graves came out. Everybody thought Graves was the guy that was going to turn on his friend Hammerstone over jealousy. Blah 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 blah. We weren't that comfortable with Hammerstone on the microphone. But from that day forth, Hammerstone went from a guy who didn't really talk to be one of the best talkers in the game. So, you know, usually the heel is going to be the better talker in most cases. Right. So, you know, let's give her that opportunity. She's got a lot of great people down at NXT to work with her. And from what I understand, she's extremely well liked. So hopefully good people work with her. And they felt comfortable making the move because you don't want somebody to digress. You want somebody to progress. And if she can do both, then it makes it an easier transition to the main roster. Now they're not looking at, hey, we need a heel to take a spot here. But Zoe Stark's a baby face and, you know, we don't really know what she can do. We can't bring her up as a heel. Well, now... If she does well as a heel in two months, they could say we need a baby face or a heel. She's on both lists because your character from NXT isn't always necessarily going to be your character on the main roster. You need to be a face. We need a face. You're the face. We need a heel. Now we know you can do both and we're okay with whatever decision, you know, we make. She's been there a while. You know, um, you know, had a couple opportunities and, 
you know, got hurt because of the, the, the title match and then didn't get to appear on SmackDown in, in the tag tournament that she was going to be in. So she's probably kind of chomping at that bit, wanting yeah. to get on the main roster because who does it? Yeah. Yeah. And you look at like someone like Bailey, uh, who was exactly that a face the whole time, brought her up to main roster, face her face. And then when she goes heel, she's probably one of the best heels on the mic that there is. It's just cool that the opportunity is being presented to her down there. Um, and, you know, having an eye on you like uh, Shawn Michaels or, you know, some of the people down there. Uh, it's just fabulous to think that she's going to get an opportunity to show that side of her that we really haven't seen. And I think that that's going to be the most exciting thing is to see, you know, her embrace the uh, being a, a self-centered jerk and, you know, what she can do with that. Well, you know, look, look at Sefa. You know, he was a baby face his whole run in FSW and he's fine as a heel. Yeah. Even though, you know, people kind of like him because they like the bloodline, but he is presented as a full blown heel. And, yeah. you know, there's no issues in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just fascinating to see these, uh, you know, where the characters are going, uh, you know, after knowing for so many years particular characters and to get those opportunities, just awesome to see. Uh, yeah, in FSW, uh, it's the only place Cross could be a babyface. Right. That's true. That's very true. Um, let me ask you, uh, as we wrap up here, uh, you know, the uh, the big elections, the midterms, whatever just happened uh, the other day. Let me ask you. Wrestlers like Jesse Ventura, uh, Glenn Jacobs is obviously the mayor now of Knoxville, Tennessee. In FSW, if you had to choose one person, who do you think would be the person that you would feel would be someone good if they went into uh, to the political arena? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Um... I'd say Chris Bay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, Kenny King. These are guys yeah. that, and again, it's different in the wrestling world, but Chris is a genuinely nice guy, which is, you know, you'd want to see in office. He yeah. is honest. Sometimes he goes off the rails on, uh, on Twitter, so you kind of need that too. So there's, you know, so there's never a dull day. Right. But at the end of the day, you still think he's probably going to try to do what's best. Yeah. But because you have to be entertaining. And, yeah. you know, one thing you could say about Trump was you never knew what the motherfucker was going to say. And sometimes it was funny shit because he was so out of his mind. Now, does yeah. that make a good president? Yeah, probably not. But, you know, you'd rather have somebody honest in the political realm. But right. being that wrestling world is the entertainment world, if you could be entertained, that's all that really matters. Because I know in a lot of situations, right, wrong, and different, you know, 
when I'm doing well, it doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat, I'm doing well. When I don't have a job, it's not because it's a Republican or a Democrat. Right. So the fact that people go so crazy about everything, it's like, I, I don't understand how there's not more independents than Republicans or Democrats. Right. Because I want to vote for somebody if I voted, because unfortunately I choose not to, because I, I, I watch regular TV and nobody talks about how good they are. They're just <laughs> all heel wrestlers talking shit on their opponents Right. But I've never heard anything good that this is what I want to do for you. Right. It's like, hey, I'm running. If you vote for this guy, this motherfucker's this, that, and the other thing. And then the very next commercial is the other guy saying, Bro, don't work, don't vote for this person. He would do this, 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 and this. And then they take clips that you know they're taken out of context. They're little parts of a clip. Well, this person said this about that. Right. And then if you heard the whole thing, well, it's not really made it out what he actually said. And you then know, you, I, you throw in that background music too, that ominous <laughs> doomsday music. Like I was looking at the one uh, and she said he should be hanged from a fucking crane. Okay. And it's like, this person seems extremely unhinged. How does she still have like 49% of the vote? Right. Because then when you see who the opponent is, and it's like, here's his laundry list of shit. It's like, so whoever wins is the person, uh, whoever there is more registered Republicans or Democrats. Yeah. Yeah. Because if I'm a Republican, I can't vote. Republican, I can't vote Democrat, even though I think the Republican guy is a fucking jerk off. So I, yeah, I've yeah. never understood that. So that's my delve into politics for the day. <laughs> and all I know is, again, entertainment wise, I know my wife's going to be very excited because we have Peacock and Peacock, you have to, you know, we're, there was a special they ran or whatever, a dollar ninety nine a month. Right. But it had the commercials. Right. But they have the local commercials. So all the fucking local commercials yesterday were all the politics shit. Yes. And it was like, man, everybody's pretty much already voted. It's 8 o'clock at night. Do we still got to see political ads? Like, they're hoping that last person. Like, if you haven't decided yet who you're voting for and you're running to the polls at 8.59, yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure that commercial is really going to help you. But it's like, thankfully... Because I was, I think they were talking about uh, Herschel Walker. Uh, he's going to be in a runoff, right? So if he's going to be in a runoff at the end of the year, they said they're going to still be running commercials for another month. Hopefully, we don't have that issue with uh, the governor here, because then we got to see more ads. Yeah, you know? and I, don't, I don't think. Well, I was going to say I don't think we will, but from the last I heard, Clark County, because of all the mail-in votes, it's going to take a while. So that margin of error is still I saw Lombardo had a pretty big lead which it shocks me that he could win but it would shock me that Sisolak could win I can't believe none of the above isn't winning by a landslide hey Brewster's millions man that was that was the best uh 
concept of uh <laughs> you know don't vote for anyone just none of the above and i think that that's one of the funniest things uh when you look at those ads and and how everything's become so polarized um it's just crazy to see final thought the jets beat the vills did you see that coming yeah yeah i did you know why because i bet 13 point teasers okay and a 13 point teaser means that an 11 and a half point favorite the buffalo bills they can lose by one and a half points and i still win my bet okay and the week before you know i bet this i bet that i bet all these teasers and for some reason i had like five bets on cincinnati against the Cleveland Browns, okay? And the line was like three and a half or four. Cincinnati's been playing really good the last few weeks. I'm like, there's no possible way that Cincinnati can lose by 10 points. Like, they can lose, but they can't lose by 10 points. The score's nothing, nothing at the first end of the first quarter, and then they still get massacred and lose by like 18 or, or 20 or whatever. And it's always that game that you look at, and it's like, oh, there's no way the Bills can lose. But the Jets have been playing good, but they came off a shitty game the week before. And you like to say it's football, there's no way it's fixed. Because there's not money to be made because most people don't bet 13-point teasers. So it isn't like, hey, let's fuck Joe on his $120 bet. You know what I mean? So – but it, it's just amazing because I did, even though I took the Bills in a in the teaser, I did take the Jets getting 11 and a half points in a parlay that I ended up hitting because I took the Bears getting four that <laughs> as good as the Dolphins are playing and as shitty as the Bears are playing, the game's in Chicago. Somehow everybody's going to bet Miami. When I was right. younger, my my bookie, because when you lived in New York, you had to make phone calls. You right. didn't have to pay the money till after the fact. So that's where the degenerate gambling comes in. In Vegas, right. you got to actually have the money. So, you know, it's a little more difficult. And we used to do the little parlay tickets, which were the biggest ripoff as it is. Because if you play a parlay ticket in Vegas, you know, four out of four, it's like 13 to one. It was right. like eight to one on the card. So, like, <laughs> even if you won, you won so far less than you should have. So right. my father worked at the uh, uh, car plant in Tarrytown. So he used to get all these people that would do the tickets. And in the beginning, like, you know, we would give them to the bookie at the end of the, before the week was over, you know, turn in the money, you got a small percentage or whatever. And then it was kind of like, why don't we just take the fucking things? <laughs> because there would always be those teams and we would keep track. There'd be 52 tickets and the line would be what it would be. And 28 people would take Buffalo and three people would take the Jets. And eight out of 10 times, the Jets would cover yeah. because the public always fucking loses. Right. And, <laughs> you know. Thankfully, I hedged a little of that bet with Cincinnati. I had the same thing. I had New Orleans and uh, I had uh, Baltimore Ravens and under. And I'm like, there's no way the Ravens are going to lose. 
by 11 points. Every game they've played has been within a touchdown. And right. I didn't hedge it, and thankfully I hit everything because I kind of hedged it a little by betting the over as well as having the under twice. But when you get 13 points, so the total is 47, for example. So I teased it to under 60. But then I teased it to over 34. So I had a 26-point window that, you know, in a lot of cases. There have been weeks when I've made that bet that there's 30 teams and all 30 teams cover. You couldn't lose. They don't offer that bet in Vegas because sharp bettors would do it and make a lot of money. Because even this week, uh, Buffalo – and I think the the Rams, maybe. There was like two teams out of 30 that didn't cover. Even New Orleans, they were getting 15 and a half. They scored a late touchdown. They lost by 14. Right. So, you know, send me 100 bucks and whoever wants to make money, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you the, uh, the website and the information. Because they did offer it in Vegas years ago. And it was 14 points. But you had to lay 200 to win 100. So if you lost one out of three and still hit two out of three, because you got to bet 14 minimum. So four teams, 14 points. And it was two to one. But when you go offshore, it's 13 points, which is not that much of a difference. But you're only laying 120 to win 100. So if you hit three out of five, you still make money. And yeah. there's a good chance to hit five out of five. So, yeah, that is actually the best bet in all of sports. Betting parlays is a sucker bet because you got to hit four out of four, five out of five. You can't go three out of four, four out of five. You know, can you get lucky? Of course. You know, I, I can hit the slot machine and get Delta Royal for 10 grand. Right. But, you know, I'm going to play two million hands and it's going to happen twice in your life, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. A little, uh, a little advice, uh, on, uh, <laughs> what a show I'm getting, I'm giving gambling advice. I'm giving political advice and life advice. It's, life uh, advice. it's, it's That's- been a, it's, it's been an Oprah episode for you there. I'm telling you, you know, that that's more than the trifecta. It's like the quadruple trifecta. <laughs> Uh, or, or, or as we call it, the DeFalco bypass. There you go. That's six. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, remember, Against All Odds is coming up here on uh, the uh, 20th. Um, tickets available, FSWVegas.com. Get the tickets now. Um, Meet and greets available with Carlito, Masters, there you go. Toa Leona, Davey Richards. You do you do get a refund if he uh, is unable to attend. <laughs> and uh, of course, if you uh, are not in town or can't get down to uh, the Silver Nugget, uh, check out Fight TV uh, for the uh, pay per view fourteen ninety nine. And uh, just also- re upped our contract with them yesterday. Really nice, good. Oh no, actually, I got to do it today. They uh, they sent me the info. I got to read over the contract, make sure they're not trying to slide in little things like uh, Brett the Threat must be the heavyweight champion by the end of next year. You know, things like that. You never know what's in the, uh, you know, written in really small print. Suavecitos, you know, need to be booked on six 
uh, pay-per-view events. You know, I just got to make sure the wording is proper. <laughs> well, uh, you know, all more power to them if they could get to the Fight TV attorneys to make that happen. I think that would show that they were a little smarter than we give them credit for. So yeah, that, that would. Uh, but again, you can get the FSW network as well for six ninety nine a month, and check out all the uh, the past uh, against all odds that are on the network, uh, as well as uh, the other shows, including the Halloween show that uh, just happened. Yeah, uh, we haven't we haven't made it happen yet, but we're going to. But uh, as I mentioned, I believe last week, if you order the Fight TV against all odds pay per view, we're going to give you a month free of uh the fsw network there you go there you go so that's a that's going to be something to look forward to if you haven't checked out the fsw network great way to do it get the pay-per-view and then uh, check out the network for a month and if you enjoy what you're seeing then you just subscribe and right uh, if you're upset zoe stark has become a heel you can watch all her fsw matches as a baby face as a face exactly and you or, can watch Lola sokoa as a baby face and you and you can see uh, Kevin Cross with uh, his trademark shaved head and not the yes. uh, whatever the yeah. hell is going on with his hair right now. <laughs> All right, no, everyone. No comment on that one. <laughs> I I'm not. A fan. I'm not a fan of the hair. It's just it, there's something about it that just is. Yeah, it's just not working. I don't know. You know, he know. looks three percent less menacing. So. But he he looks three percent more getting into Hollywood contracts <laughs> with with the hair. So I, there's got to be some kind of motivation there, and I, I got a feeling that uh, you know Kevin's going to be on his way to uh, doing some uh, some film work soon. Man, I should have got him for three percent, and uh, you don't have to pay for dues. I should have pulled the Rick Bassman on him. I'd have been good. <laughs> Roland Alexander. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Yeah, well. Uh, yeah, there's some stories there. Uh, no comment on, on my end from uh, what I know and have heard over the years. So, uh, But, uh, yeah, you missed out on that one, Joe. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just miss the boat. All right, everyone. For uh, this week. Thank you for listening. Until next time, everyone, have a good week.